I don't know. Do we wait a few? I don't know why I have this live stream image already to go. I'm like, are we going to use it? Like, we're not. Hello, people aren't. Let's give it a go. Let's give it a wait a couple of minutes. See if it's it not, if it draws any uh, any viewers. It's not like a scheduled. Thing. I know. <laughs> in waiting. Okay. Well, I gotta go live first. So here's. I'll. I'll I'm gonna share the screen now, and then I can put music on. This is, some music. this is some music I recorded once uh, <laughs> a long time ago because <laughs> it can't be copyright. <laughs> Otherwise, Facebook will flag it. Is that music too loud? Oh, uh, no, it's fine. And then the bombs fell, the bombs fell. And then the bombs fell. Dave Morris, how are you? I'm good, man. We are live on Facebook for this podcast recording. This is yeah, I know. People different. can see us talking. It's a word. Uh, no, two new things. People can see <laughs> us and they're listening to us live. Ah. How are you, buddy? I'm very well. How are you? How was your Christmas times? Oh, it was great, man. Christmas was good. Uh, yeah, we uh, we have a four-year-old, so Christmas is like amazing. Yeah, four-year-old, right? Like, Yeah, it's just yeah. magic. Every present he would open, he would uh, run down the hallway and yell, "Yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> like, just melts your heart, right? Well, um, we're on the other end of the spectrum here. We had uh, we have two grown daughters, so we had to get them out of bed to uh, for for Christmas morning, which was just divine. Any other parents or anyone knows young kids know that you're getting beat up at six a.m. or five a.m. saying it's Christmas time. So we had a very chill chill morning here it was lovely cool well uh, for people who are watching live we are doing this a q a live so if you want any time uh, at any time at all just post some questions in the comments on the video and we're gonna we're gonna answer them uh improv them? questions because i can't can uh, i'll let you know i'll let you know as they okay, come cool. in i'll let you know as they come in right, uh, but uh i um yeah so uh if you have any questions just post them and we'll do our best to answer them i think i can see them i'll find a way um <laughs> And uh, preferably improv questions. If not improv questions, we'll still probably answer. We're, we're probably we're open books. Yeah, but uh, my uh, yeah, but uh, we've got through the Christmas question, which was the big one. Yeah, that was the big one. Did <laughs> yeah. you? Uh, I uh, I, uh, oh, I don't have it in the room with me, and I won't run out. But uh, I got a little uh, pop vinyl, big uh, Zoltar um, uh, little thing, and it's uh, it was very cute. I loved cool. it. Well, got some hot sauce those... from Portland. So those, um, those heads, those big heads. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. And hot sauce uh, from Portland. Nice. Hot sauce, hot sauce from Portland, um, nice. which was uh, nice. Um, so did that was my Christmas did swag. Someone, did someone from Portland send it to you, or was it uh, no? I ordered. I ordered it for myself as <laughs> hmm. <laughs> my Christmas present. There's a uh, there's a place, a hot sauce place here in Sydney uh, that that stocks it. So um, that was my that was my Christmas present. Some tasty hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Sponsored by Secret Advark. Sponsored by Secret Hot Sauce. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Uh, okay, well, um, I have a question for you to get this Q&A started while we wait Let's for some it. live questioners to come in. Um, and this is a question that was sent in, actually. Uh, well, actually, before we get to any of those, I have a personal question for you, which yes, was, you just did a show with Paper Street. Uh, I did. <laughs> over the Christmas holiday. I kind of came up with a crazy idea for a show and uh pitched it to you you said yes and uh we did a show on zoom so it was a uh it was an eavesdropping show christmas eavesdropping where Mm -hmm. the audience tuned in and watched uh four different conversations between improvisers and they got to kind of eavesdrop and bounce around and you were one of our featured improvisers so how was that for you? Uh, it was great. I mean, I, I didn't even in rehearsal get a chance to watch the thing, so I, I don't I don't know what it was would be like for people. You said there was good good 
feedback um, audience-wise, like oh, in terms of them skipping from room to room and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, it was great. Nothing but good things I've heard. People loved yeah. it. Uh, some people had some technical problems with it, but I can't help can't help people that don't know how to update Zoom. You know. <laughs> As an improviser, though, it was just divine. Like it was, I was actually quite nervous about it when we started uh, the process. And we did, I think we did a couple of rehearsals before we, we did the week of shows or four nights of shows. And um, I was nervous because you get paired with another improviser and you have to talk over Zoom for an hour um, or, or 45 minutes or so with, with that improviser. Um, and there's no cutaways, there's no wipes, there's nothing. It's just the character that you've been given from, from the audience and the other character um, that you're improvising opposite. And uh, it was just so much fun. Like it was, it was really, really amazing. Uh, you could really kind of deep dive into the characters and their insecurities and assume an awful lot about the, the other characters. For the most part, most characters uh, knew each other. I had one night where I was an art dealer and I didn't really know the other the other mm-hmm. people I was uh, improvising with, but um, that was a little more challenging just because it was a professional relationship, but we still, um, we still managed to get a, a lot out and a lot done and never were wanting for anything to, to um, fill time. It was, uh, it was actually quite a yeah. fun night as well. So yeah, look, yeah. I had real fun, like absolute fun doing it. I'm glad. I had fun too. <laughs> and I got to watch a couple of them. So I have like the benefit of knowing how much fun it really was to watch. Uh, Cause people would, when you bounce around, you show up in a room and you don't know what these two people are talking about because you just got there. And so you have yeah. like a few minutes of trying to like piece together. What are <laughs> they talking about? What is this relationship? Uh, and then, and then if you get bored, you bounce to another room. And then as an improviser, I had so much fun both nights just having yeah. a conversation. It was just like, let's see where we can go with this. Yeah. And, how deep, how raw we can get. Sometimes there was yeah. a couple of nights where it was really sweet and yeah. other times it was old friendship. And then another night for me was this professional relationship. It was really great. Yeah. I uh, see yeah. how, um, see how, uh, uh, how boring it gets. Sometimes. <laughs> it never got boring. No. Uh, yeah. I had, a, was, I had a night where I was playing a gambler, uh, with uh with scott uh, and he was we were internet buddies and so like i was gambling the whole time throughout the uh, throughout the scene it was very fun uh, i wasn't really gambling but i could have you could you could have easily opened a window dropped yeah. dropped the entire budget of the show uh, <laughs> or online poker for authenticity <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was fun and it was something i was holding off on doing a paper shoot show because it was uh because we've, I mean, we've talked about doing shows enough, but uh, on on this podcast, but I uh, I didn't want to do a bad show, like just a streamed improv show. I wanted yeah. to try find a way to do a show that fits the the world of Zoom, and I think we mm-hmm. did. It. I think we did it, and everyone kept saying that was one thing they said was how unique an experience it was, and how it it made up for the fact that you weren't there in person, the fact that you got to manipulate what you watched. So it kind of yeah made the audience have to participate in a way they don't have to when they're yeah, doing it's like yeah. one of those uh those shows that you know have uh, they go over an entire warehouse and you can follow your own nose through the experience and things are happening regardless of you being in it there or not but your show is the show that you direct so exactly. giving putting the audience into into that controlling uh, place into that directorial place is really really interesting uh, and it was great because you'd see people come, you'd see the chat kind of scrolling up the screen. I never really kind of stopped to to read it or look at it, but you, you knew, knew that there was audience there that were discussing in the chat what was going on. And uh, and then you'd see people leave as well, <laughs> like it'd pop up, this person left or that person left. And um, and yeah, it was uh, it was great, but there were always people in the room. Sometimes there were a, a little less, but sometimes you'd look across. But I found myself not really checking the numbers all that much to be mm-hmm. honest um because i'd be completely engaged in the op- uh, in the conversation and then i'd look down at the clock thinking um uh th- thinking oh gosh how much longer do we have and it'd only be five minutes or so and we'd have to start wrapping things up um and uh, i think it was was it was it randy i think it might have been randy one day uh who said to me um i can tell how good an improv show is by uh the first time i check my watch <laughs> Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah for sure and so i was just uh i was like okay uh, when i uh, i think having a clock in the bottom corner of the screen you're like 
how long have we got? Oh, okay, cool. I think it's the same on the inside as well. <laughs> when, you're, when you're in the middle of it, you're like, oh, how long have we got? Oh, no, oh, we've done it. It's done. It's already yeah. gone. Missy used to give me a hard time because I would always play with coins. If I got bored during a show, I would like pull a <laughs> coin out and start fiddling, doing magic with it. And so she could tell when I wasn't enjoying a show when you heard a echo like an echoing of me dropping a coin because i was fiddling with a coin instead of watching the show uh, it would just roll down every step kink, 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 kink. end up yeah. on the stage and then i switched to cards instead i switched to cards so instead it would just be like <laughs> when you knew you were doing bad that's how i give notes uh, yeah so anyone who uh all the for some of our live watchers right now if you do have a question uh please feel free to post it in the comments of the of the facebook thread and we'll uh we'll answer do our best to answer that question um in the meantime i've got some other questions here for you if you're ready jason yeah let's do it let's do it let's hit some q and hey q and i so uh, you already answered about how the paper street show was yeah uh, and um this this thank question- you for having me because it was oh. it was yeah it was uh, just oh, what I needed you. right at the end of the year. <laughs> oh, thank you for doing it. It was so great. Uh, so this, the first question we're going to tackle today is uh-huh. from our good friend, Gosha. Gosha. Uh, who has been a guest on the podcast previously. Yes. And her question I thought was actually kind of cool because I, I think I have a few answers for this, but, but then at the same time, I don't. Uh, the, what specific genre, author, game, film, inspired show would you love to do but deep in your heart you know it may be too niche so Hmm. something that is just too niche that you don't think you could do even though you want to do it do you have any like that just um well i've actually i've actually done the ones that i (laughs) that i think are too niche because i shy away from the kind of ones that I, I think I've seen before. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I've spoken about uh, like my love of Haruki Murakami and uh, his novels. And uh, I was trying to work that into some sort of show and that became Zoom, um, which we've spoken about on the podcast before. Yeah. Um, and we did a, an experimental audio Zoom, uh, which you could find halfway through the season list of this um, f- or towards the end of the first season of this podcast. Um, and uh, and that was based on a, a Murakami book uh, called After Dark, which had a narrative style that was viewing the world mm-hmm. and, and had this kind of uh, camera that went through the world um, and trying to embrace those magical realism elements and things like that. And the other one I, I did was a show called Fat City, which I did a, a, a season of um, with you guys. Uh, we did a night with you guys and also a night, uh, a season with uh, um, Deep End Theatre in Portland, and I've done it all uh, around Australia as well. Uh, and Fat City is inspired by kind of uh, Elmore Leonard, James Elroy, uh, Frank Miller, kind of uh, gritty noir kind of stuff like hyper noir really uh but really f- trying to find the 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 truth in there so um it's uh it's not just kind of cartoony but uh but it, it could it could easily fit within those those universes um and so they were my two kind of genre passion projects that that came to fruition uh and i guess they're not mainstream you know they're not they're not things that will bring people into the uh the theater um you know the the general public into the theater it might bring a theater going or an interested improv audience into the theater but they're not things that are gonna um uh you know uh, make people take the night off and go oh geez what's this thing i'll go and see that um so i guess it's a, a little kind of niche uh, in terms of being my interests i'd love to develop some sort of things try to find a different way to do um uh to take board gaming or gaming like that uh into uh into an improv space uh so it's fluent and not clunky and you have freedom to improvise but you're still playing some sort of uh uh you know like actual meaty chunky <laughs> board game uh and that's probably as niche as it, as it would get so not necessarily D&D stuff but um uh, well, i mean D is surprisingly accessible like we've yeah. done anytime we've ever done a D show it sold out and was yeah. like super successful yeah. it's, uh, it's everyone's secret in yeah. their cupboard that they have yes and this is similarly similarly to you <laughs> similarly to you 
I've done a lot of the niche things I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, just the last paper street show, the improvised Martin McDonough that we did, mm-hmm. that was the niche one that I was like, no one's ever going to want to come and see the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's just for us improvisers that like it. And even most of the improvisers didn't know who Martin McDonough was when we started <laughs> the rehearsals, but they learn. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but even that in the end, the audiences came out and I, I got recognized from that show. Nice. Uh, like uh, uh, one of the photographers at the high school I teach at was taking pictures, and I, he saw me. He's like, "Hey, you uh, you do improv?" And I was like, "Yeah, I do. Yeah, of course." And I expect him to know me from something more, um, yeah, mainstream. Yeah, Jane Austen or yeah, 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 something like Tarantino, that. something. Yeah, so, yeah. But he was like, "Yeah, I saw your Martin McDonough show." I was like, "Oh, wow, <laughs> weird." And then when I asked him, well, "Why'd you come to the show? Like, who, yeah. what, did you know somebody? Did someone tell you?" And his answer was, "I just like Martin McDonough." And I was like. <laughs> Well, that's not the kind of audience I expected to, to draw yeah. out. Um, yeah. So, but is there anything else nichey, niche, um, nit, uh, niche yeah. for our American I mean, listeners? Anything niche? Nush. Um, oh, yeah. As I say, like my my two kind of secret passions in the uh, book world are, are James Elroy and that kind of crime stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then uh, Murakami stuff. Um like I like uh, other novels. I'd love to be able to do uh, something, um, you know, that that's heavily, heavily incorporates, you know, licensed stuff. <laughs> mm. um, you know, I'd love, I'd love to be able to to go. Hey, Disney, give me a license to uh, uh, improvise some Star, Star Wars, Wars stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be Boba Fett. I just yeah. want to be Boba Fett. It, it'll be no canon. It, absolutely not canon. But just give me permission to to do that. <laughs> yeah, um, I think so. I do. Okay, there is something that comes to mind though for like niche things that I love and would love to do put put on stage that uh, genres and authors uh, is Jeanette Winterson or maybe it's Jeanette Winterson. Uh-huh. Uh, Jeanette Winterson is a an author, uh, and she's, she does cr- crime stuff, or is it? She does all sorts of stuff, but I think magical realism is definitely her cup oh, of tea. Cool. I think you I would really read her. love her. Yeah, I think everyone would really love her if they actually read her, because mm-hmm. um, she is so amazing. Um, but her her writing style is very like f- like beautiful, like it's poetic, mm-hmm. and the narratives are very like circular and not really like straight to the end and yep. a lot of it leaves you wondering what's happened is this really a story and there's like stories within stories and she's done like a retelling of the hercules story uh through through her like through like mostly through the eyes of atlas you know a, a book mm-hmm. called weight which is absolutely beautiful she did a book about the personal chef to napoleon bonaparte um, but like and his story through the war and stuff but it's not about that at all it's like she's just amazing and uh i think one of my favorites right here is lighthouse keeping about mm-hmm. about like a story within a story within a story about this this small community where a lighthouse is like she just does these most very beautiful symbolic type works and i try to infuse a lot of my improv with that style anyway like that's mm-hmm. just when i used to do solo shows i would read books by her before i went on stage just to nice just get to get heighten, that symbiosis yeah heighten my language and start reaching mm-hmm. for metaphor um so i would yeah. love to do something like that like an improvised jeanette winterson uh and actually have people come see it but i don't know how that would yeah work. yeah I, hey, you know what i'd love to do, do really have well a question here in the live oh, sorry I'll just I'll hit it. Up. I'll hit it in a second. You, you finish this. And then we'll... uh, you know, I'd like to do really well, and I'm not sure that. And and I'm by saying really well, I'm not saying other people haven't already done it really well, but really well in a surprising and inventive kind of way, not just aping the genre. Uh, is rom coms? I'd like to do like a oh, yeah. like like do rom coms mm. well. We did like one. In, we did. Yeah. One yeah yeah we did improv actually yeah it was amazing nice yeah i'd love to do it that's just it's not just we've spoken before where i don't think genre is just about understanding what happens in a piece and then cutting and pasting it in and hitting those signposts i I think you've got to you've got to evolve it somehow you've got to you've got to put Mm -hmm. your mark on it you've got to you've got to bring something else to marry into it to give it legs on the stage um because just aping it is it's parody it's not it's not creating new new stories so i'd love to to do something like that but but in a really nice juicy way how did you guys approach it 
Well, we did, we, we sort of modeled it around love, actually, just yep. that, that frame of it to make it so that it was like a bunch of little stories that all sort of crossed over. So like mm-hmm. if you were the main character in one story, you might be a bit part in another story, yep. sort of montage of love stories. Um, and, uh, and that was pretty much it. And then from there, we just workshopped, like, what are the kinds of loving relationships people have making sure Mm -hmm. like exploring all different kinds of love and, um, good love, bad love, falling apart, coming together, that type of thing. Um, and then the one thing I said that had to be in there is one of the stories had to end with a declaration of love. Right. At least one of them where someone does something stupid building up to to prove their love, like stopping a bus and jumping on and then saying something in front of everybody that was on the bus. So like something embarrassing that shows that you love them more than you care about whatever the 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 standards of the world were. Uh, So one story had to end like that because we had a snowdrop prepped um, (laughs) so that for when the final couple would do their big like declaration of love and they'd say their awesome one-liner it's like you had me at hello or whatever yeah uh and then they would kiss or or hug or something and then it would start snowing on them and that would be the end of the show (laughs) that's great that was the only that was the only thing i was like we have to get to that everything else i don't care and as long as we're not doing the same kind of story you know just basic yeah stuff yeah yeah i um i watched modern love uh in the week before christmas uh, and it is fabulous. Uh, highly recommended. It's on, I think it's on Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, yeah, highly recommended. Uh, it's half hour vignettes that all kind of um, link up and merge, but great cast, really wonderful stories, just just beautiful. But yeah, I, I, when, when I saw that question from Gosh, I was like, oh, I think, yeah, maybe like just do a good proper. <laughs> you know, rom com that that is that hits the notes. Those those. Um, I'll do one with you. I'll do one with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're and doing so, one right now. This might be one. Uh, <laughs> this is the start of one, or is it the end? I love you, Dad. Okay, so uh, so we have some it's questions no. here that are, uh, we have a couple that have come in from from ah uh, from Liam Amore, uh, ah, the man who hello, designed Liam. our logo. Yes, uh, which he thought he was a, making in a couple of hours for a drink. Oh, well, he thought he was making it for a festival and it turned out it's a podcast image. Yeah. Um, but uh, he has a couple things in here. One, I think, is more of a joke. Um, but I'll ask you the real question first, then we'll get to the joke. Uh, what should a troupe look for when adapting TV tropes for stage? I'm thinking Twin Peaks or Sid and Marty Croft. Yeah. I'm not oh, sure Twin what Peaks Sid is and also Marty another one Croft that are. I love. Um, uh, and would love to do something like that, <laughs> you know, but um, not just cut cut and paste. Yeah. That um, is something we have done, some Twin Peaks type stuff. Yeah. Yeah, which normally, like, so to kind of answer this question, when adapting TV tropes for stage, like, I, I try to, to shy away from doing a specific show. So if someone said do Twin Peaks, I'd be like, how about we do like a David Lynch, mm. which is Twin Peaks, but it's other things, like his whole style, instead yeah. of trying to recreate uh, uh, sort of uh, shows that have their own story already so that's where I kind of come from but we have been asked to do that sometimes so we did a Twin Peaks show for um, this Twin Peaks party that happens on February whatever the day Laura mm. Palmer went missing do you know right, right. Twin Peaks well enough uh, no no, and they had I don't some know what the actual date is <laughs> but the, they, they would do it on that date and they would right. serve apple pie cherry pie Apple pie, Whatever. cherry Apple pie, pie, any sort of pie, really. It's, it's all about the, the pies. Pie from Twin Peaks, and they yeah. had like a a whole costume party and stuff. And so we would go and dress in Twin Peaksian style clothes and do strange, do like a weird detective story, basically right. that that emulated Twin Peaks, but we improvised yeah. it all. And then we would try and do clues, and every once in a while we do it backwards, like what we do. <laughs> we do a thing where. uh where there'd be like a dream sequence and mm. I would have a microphone doing the voice into the microphone and the person on stage would move their voice. So it kind of try to emulate that weird feeling of the dreams. Yeah. But uh, yeah, don't recommend that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, I've worked with Liam on a lot of the things that I've been talking about. Liam and I have been a lifelong uh, improvising partners and, and I think you've got to take it a step past. So you take the trope and you've got to put, your own spin on it um, to fit the, the the show or the style that that you're going for. Again, just aping something and putting it on stage is 
is the bare minimum I think you can do. So I, I, I want to see your interpretation of this rather than just the, the, the copy cat of it. Yeah. Um, and there's also like, like taking the tropes and putting them in a, in, like changing them into something that works on stage in an improvised mm. setting. So like um, when we did our sitcom show, one thing that I almost forgot about until I was just talking about this a couple of days ago with someone else like, oh yeah, uh, we had a revolving stage uh, because we wanted to have like the three locations shoot type of thing. That right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we had one side of the stage that had a desk or like a yeah, desk and a computer on it. So it could mm-hmm. be an office, could be a, a workplace, like whatever. Uh, yeah. And then it, you could turn it. And so it would like put, and I can actually show because we're on video and it would like rotate like this, like it would tilt. Yeah. And on the other side was a couch uh, so that it would be able to become a house or a, yeah, yeah. a break room or something. And so we, we had this revolving stage to sort of feel, feel that feeling of like in Seinfeld where a scene ends and then it goes like, bong, dung, dung, yeah. and it has like a moment before you see the next scene uh, as we change the set. And so two people would come out, grab the set and actually like walk it and put the sandbags down and like it would rotate. And it was very cool. It made it feel like we were doing a sitcom and finding a way to put that on stage. Yeah. So that, that's where it is. It's not just like, do a sitcom on stage it's like well how do we make that get uh, uh grab that same feeling you get when watching a sitcom and put it on stage yeah 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 i hope that answers your question lame you can tell me later yeah he also asked to tell you <laughs> to get you to tell the story about when you met james elroy uh yeah i i did meet james elroy uh it was uh james elroy is a crime writer do you know who james elroy is dave uh, uh he wrote la confidential Okay, no, um, I, I was yeah, I was mixing him up with the guy who wrote Get Shorty. Uh, Elmore Leonard. Elmore Leonard. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was who I Elroy also... Elmore. Yeah, yeah. James Elroy uh wrote uh The Black Dahlia, uh LA Confidential, the um uh, white jazz, uh, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, there's also one, oh God, it's all jumping out of my head now. Um uh about JFK, American um what is it? Fuck everyone's yelling at the screen anyway i'll get to get to it later <laughs> i was uh, he came out to do uh, a book tour here in australia and i went to see him and uh, there was a signing afterwards and uh, and it was an odd night he did some readings uh, and then he had a jazz band and he sang some songs and then he showed a bit of a documentary about him and his his mother who was murdered uh not by him but by someone else and uh, and and it is a, a theme that keeps popping up in his work and um and afterwards he was having a a, a book signing uh, and yeah, it was, it was great. We just went afterwards. Um, there was a huge line. So I just went, Hey, I'm going to go get a drink and come back. And I came back and there was only uh, three people there and, uh, I was the last one in line and, and, uh, and then I just went, do you want to go get a drink? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and so we had a drink and had a chat. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Cool, <laughs> and uh, so wow. I've got a photo of him and I in the garage shaking hands like crazy, uh, and he was lovely. We had a drink nice. and uh, and and just had shot the shit, and it was it was it was fantastic. Wow, and he's he's so one cool. of my uh, yeah one of my literary heroes, and um, yeah, it was yeah. Is he like literally your hero? Is he literally? literally my literary hero? <laughs> literally my literary hero. And yeah, um, it was it was so yeah it was uh, I just because I you know it was just fanboying and stuff like that and I was just super nervous and uh, yeah we ended up having a drink and it was real nice. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I had another thought just now about the question Gosh was asking about doing niche things on stage <laughs> and it's gone now, whatever it's gone. Yeah. Cool. Um, cool. Well, we don't have any more questions in the chat right now, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if more people have questions, please just throw them in the chat. We'll answer them. Um, Cause I did want to ask you about uh, new year's resolutions. And I know you don't do new year's resolutions. Yeah. We talked about this. You don't, I don't. Uh, we do just everyday resolutions. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying if, to find James Elroy's the title of L, uh, it's LA Confidential and American. God damn it, tabloid! Thank you, my brain. American, American tabloid. tabloid. Nice, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. 
And, um, uh, and that it is a if anyone's interested at all in the JFK stuff, it, it's the it's a retelling of the JFK assassination with um, uh, a bunch of fictional characters moving through the real world characters and the real world events. And cool. it is a fascinating read. It's very, mm-hmm. very good. You're like you, you'd you'd take it as gospel, like as well researched, and um, yeah, it's got these fictional figures um, m- moving through the shady underworld. It's um, it's cool. great. Uh, well, for those of you just tuning in, if you have any questions, please uh, just post them in the chat here on the Facebook, and we'll uh, we'll answer them for you. We'll answer them for you. But uh, but while we wait for those New Year's resolutions, you don't do them. I don't do them. Yeah, I don't. I don't do them because I'm just like it's just a Thursday night. Like it's like why yeah. <laughs> on Thursday nights I should just do it every Thursday night. Here's yeah, what I'm going to do for the I, next next week. I'm a fan of making the resolution when it's time. Like all right, yeah, starting now. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, instead now, of like now okay, is well, re- resolution. It's the day I have to come up with something. Yeah, um, but... well, it's all. It also just seems to me that they're all so big and ambitious that people make that they're just setting themselves up for failure like yeah. and 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 maybe that's why i stopped making them because i would do the same thing that people are just set, set, setting themselves up for like all right i'm going to do this this year i'm going to do it and then halfway through the year it just gives yourself something to to punish yourself about because you're like oh i made this resolution that i was going to do this and i didn't do it oh my god what's going mm-hmm. on um so yeah I, it's just one less thing to punish myself about yeah. i've got plenty of things to punish myself about i don't need another thing <laughs> okay but on this resolutions uh have you ever made an improv resolution like uh, not new year's but improv where you've like you said to yourself from now on i'm never gonna blank or or oh, going yeah, forward, the, i'm always gonna do you do all it all the, the time? time like what yeah. can you think of any that you've done oh look uh like in just in terms of uh like just me growing as a person and things changing over time there are things i said 20 years ago on a stage that i'd be mortified saying now you know what i mean times change people change the zeitgeist changes uh and so i try to stay uh atop of that wave or ahead of that wave so i'm not um you know not offending anyone or giving anyone a, a lesser good time in the theater or, or in the audience or on the stage with other players as well um so for me those kinds of resolutions are about being accountable uh to myself to others um and just going uh, uh, don't i guess it all boils down to don't go for the easy blank gag or this gag mm-hmm. or, or, that, or that gag there and those gags are normally easy because it's low-hanging fruit and they probably will uh, offend and, and that sort of thing. Um, it's not to say that I'm not going to, if, you know, a character goes that way or a character is like that, I'll play that that character. Um, but I'll be mindful as the improviser that it's in context uh, and not just kind of throwing that stuff on stage because I want to laugh or mm-hmm. an easy, cheap laugh or play to the audience or, or, or that kind of thing. Um, so for me, it's about all those resolutions are tiny things about staying accountable to myself, I think. Yeah. You? Yeah, I don't know. I think the only time I can remember making an improv resolution was probably when I was like 16 years old. Like just this, like um, to saying like uh, I'm gonna do improv, <laughs> like not shitty comedy or theater sports, right? Like yeah. I'm like improv is where I'm. I'm like be an artist about it, and I'm gonna honor the form. Like I remember thinking that when I was like 16 or 17. I was probably right. 17 in high school, uh, having this this realization that improv is more than just getting up on stage and making jokes in front of your friends. Uh, so that's and, exactly where I was at 16. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. But that's that's exactly when I discovered improv. I was just like, yeah, it's I can get up and make jokes in front of my <laughs> yeah. friends. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what I had been doing. And then I was yeah. like, no, wait. And uh, my drama teacher made made me see it in a very different light. And mm-hmm. sort of storytelling and the focus on that kind of came into light. So that kind of is where that, that's the only real resolution I can remember making in life. Yeah. In life, yeah. in improv life, not in life. I've made other <laughs> resolutions. <in my> life. <laughs> yeah, um, for me, it's just it's just little things. It's like uh, try not to like, all behaviors as well um, uh, that that annoy me. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like I try not to. I might see it in others. I might recognize it in myself. Like tonight, I'm not going to. And I often will make a resolution to myself before a show. 
um, tonight I'm not going to do this, or tonight I'm going to mm-hmm. try to hit this, um, or, or uh, yeah, and, some and of them, that yeah. might be some emotional truth or something like that. But I find that's the best warm up for me um, is to give myself uh, focus for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess like setting, a, setting a goal, I guess that's yeah. kind of a, yeah, that's kind of a resolution. <laughs> like you make resolutions before shows. I read Jeanette Winterson. Same thing. Same thing. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple more questions rolling in in the chat here. Yeah, sure. Uh, here's one, uh, here's one I think is actually a very practical question. Um, <laughs> tips for finding and playing games, tips for finding and playing games. Uh, so I think that is in relation to when you find a game, not, mm-hmm. not like tips on how to play the alphabet game or anything like that. Right, right. Um, always end with zippers down though. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> tips for finding games in scenes and trying to find the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess my first thought for that is always to, that to, to find a game, make sure you're finding one and not forcing one. That's yeah. the biggest tip for, for that, that I, I give people. A lot of people find that they go on stage and they think of a game and then they try and make the other person play it. And that to me is the opposite of what we should be doing. <laughs> you should go on stage and look for the game that's already being played with your partner and yourself or, or uh, yeah. it's already being played by the people on stage uh, and then play that game with them. Don't go like, Ooh, it'd be really good if we played this game right now. Yeah. Uh, and put it on people. That's my. That's my. That's the first thought. What, what? What's your first thought? My first, first thought is uh, the the game is never behind your eyes. It's never up here. It's in the other person's eyes. So if mm, you're looking yeah. at your partner and and you see that that's there, regardless of whether you're on the same side or there's tension in the scene or, or whatever, if you start making that eye contact and you start kind of looking, going like all right we're on the same page here you start to feel the game it's organic it's never forced so if you're back here going how can i make this fun one you're not looking at your partner uh and uh, and two you're trying to force the game so uh, uh, for me it's Mm -hmm. always in the other person's eyes or it's in the air if you're not looking at each other you can tell it's like okay we're on the same page here this is (laughs) this is going somewhere let's let's kind of push this a little bit so I, I feel that I play often with uh, with Liam, and and that's uh, something that or that we can kind of shorthand to. Same when I've played with you, uh, it just kind of you just kind of feel that oh, it's there. At we're the playing start. a game, yeah, yeah. That's what it should be. <laughs> it should almost be a realization that you're playing yeah. a game, yeah. Not yeah. a not a finally I got them. I got them. Yeah. So, so I guess it's trust that the game will present itself rather than try to find the game. Um, uh yeah uh, be ready for the game yeah mm, yeah finding it i think is a bit of a uh a a bit of a a misuse of language there um because it'll present itself when you're connected grounded and playing a a, a, an engaged scene yeah and actually there's something else too that I, i think my big tip for for finding the game is that uh it's again it's finding the game it's not found a game yeah, the goal is never to find a game. The goal is to constantly be aware and watching for, like, paying attention to your scene partner so much mm-hmm. that if there's a game, you've got it. Yeah. And if there isn't a game, you should still be paying attention to them as if they're playing one, and you're trying to like look at them and get it from them and play it with them. Like that's that's the other thing to me. The the actual having found a game is not that important. Mm. It's that you look. The other thing that I would add there is know when the game's over. Yeah, yeah. Be, be ready as soon as, as quickly as you found it. Be ready to let it go, um, and and you might shelve it for later. Like that 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 little uh, game might might present itself or have an opportunity to present itself later on in a slightly different context, which will raise the stakes of it. But uh, don't don't be dragging a dead cat through the scene. Yeah. You know, it's just like it, once it goes, let it go and 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 keep that connection there because it, yeah. it might disappear as <laughs> as quickly as it came. You know, or the other person may not have found it, and yeah. you're playing by yourself, and yeah. then you realize, oh, they're not doing this game. Uh, yeah. Anymore. I should stop. Why am I still doing this game? Like, please notice. I saw this in your movement. Um, cool. Okay. Uh, we have uh, we have some other questions here rolling in, although one of them is just from DK Reinemer, our good friend, uh, hey, asking if this is a TED Talk about improv or amazing <laughs> facial hair. And it is about amazing facial hair. Amazing facial hair. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Uh, yeah, Liam has asked another question directed to at me about mm-hmm. how is live theater in my town at the moment and are people happy to come out and sit? Has it changed the way you play? Uh, so theater in my town is still non-existent, unfortunately, Liam. We are in winter here, which means the, the virus is in full swing. So we are uh, not, we're, we're not allowed to congregate in a group period at the moment so uh, there hasn't been live theater in a while i know there's been some people doing some live streams and stuff and and doing that sort of things and we just did an online show but at the moment there is uh there is no theater and yes that has changed the way i play (laughs) because i don't anymore <laughs> um, well, I, I'm I'm going to be so bold as to say uh, we should have Liam on the podcast at some point. We totally uh, should in, yeah. in in the future um, because I, I I know how passionate yeah. and uh, and clear headed he is on uh, on all things improv. Yeah, you um, could send him a link right now and get him on the show. We could get him. <laughs> you send him the just, link to this. Right? Uh, yeah, sure. If he wants to pop in, if he can, Liam, uh, come jump in. <laughs> yeah, Liam, I'm going to send you a message uh, to this Zoom room, and you can jump in anytime. You want. <laughs> just come and tell us your thoughts on improv. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's it's a party. Anyone who's watching, we can just. It's the yeah. miracles. Well, it's a miracle. I don't know. Where is he? Might be just watching on his phone. Who knows? I don't know. I sent him a link. We'll I think he lost a tooth today. Anyway, oh, that's probably our fair anyway, talk. Uh, anyway, there's another, there's another question. Here. A few more questions here. Uh, coming in. Uh, um, where do you think improv the as an art form is going? Where will it be in 10, 20 years? Those are not like, not like 10, 20, like 1,020 years, but 10, <laughs> comma, 20, 20 years. years. 10 or 20 years. What do you think improv is going to be in 10 or 20 years? I don't know where it's going as an art form because it's subjective and and everyone's got their own take yeah. on it. And I just it's all going that- downhill. <laughs> kids these days and they're fucking heralds. Oh, hey, and we do have uh, Liam Amore ready to enter our waiting room. So uh, we're going to bring but a guest on and ask him this question as well. But uh, uh, cool, here, cool. here he comes. Here he comes. He is joining. Okay, well, we'll wait for him. <laughs> here he comes. Yay! All right, so we have Liam Amore joining us all the way live from Melbourne, I assume. Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> yeah, yes, okay, yes, yeah. Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, uh, Liam uh, and I have been improvising together for over 25 years uh, now. Uh, we came through a youth theatre company called St. Martin's together, uh, went to university together, have worked uh, uh, every every year since forever. Um, so, yeah, Liam's... And Liam's, Liam and I have been working together for a couple yeah. of years now. Uh, he's been doing designs for some of my festivals. Uh, and we've never met. So very nice to see your face, Liam. How are <laughs> it's you? great to see you too, Dave. Yeah, I'm enjoying yeah. this immensely, gentlemen. Oh, great. Yeah, good. Well, thanks for jumping on. And uh, Yeah, thanks for jumping on, Liam. Questions. That's all right. Happy to. Yeah, because we got some questions here for you. Where do you think improv is going to be in 10 or 20 years? It is interesting, isn't it? I was, yeah. I've been thinking about it too, because there seems to be a, a definite split. Like a couple, like, I don't know, 20 years ago, it was all about short form versus long form. But now yeah. it's all kind of all in together. But it does seem to me, especially in Australia, it seems to be that, that uh, almost that thing between the Harold-esque versus the... I guess the uh, the theatre sports style of playing, and then there's this weird sort of in between world where people fall into the cracks and have started to explore and mm. and create these amazing little concoctions of shows, and and mm. that's the really exciting thing for me. I think yeah, uh, me too, to yeah. move away from the structured, uh, um, almost you know, things that are um, weighed down by the rules of the past. Mm. to sort of brush all those away and start fresh is really really good yeah for sure uh I lo- yeah we love the cracks on this show we talk about the cracks <laughs> that sounds weird when i say it like that though we love the cracks on this we love show. The cracks. uh we love the improv that falls between the cracks and, and grows <laughs> strange funguses and weird <laughs> weird organisms that, that come out of it uh, that's not to say that those but, those things don't have their place though like yeah. uh i think it's really interesting if anybody's came to me today and sort of said where do i train i would still push them towards impro melbourne yeah. you know places where I have sort of strong keith johnson background because that's a that's a great jumping off point a great training uh yeah, philosophy here in, 
like here in Canada, I'm still a big proponent of the Canadian Improv Games. It's a high school improv yeah. tournament and has a really rigid structure and very theater yeah. sports fee type of format. But I still think it's one of the greatest trainings you can get as a young improviser. Yeah. It really, mm-hmm. really enforces those key basic principles. And then when you're finished, you have to be retrained on how to improvise properly. But still, yeah. like it's a good foundation. It's a good start. I wish I wish I'd I wish I'd known that at the start. <laughs> you know, it would have saved yeah. so much yeah. time. So much yeah. time. Yeah. If someone had just said to you, This is Don't good worry. training, but this isn't all improv is. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, would have saved us a good five, six years in the middle there. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm really enjoying that, all the, the character stuff at the moment. That's all that's sort of where the the interest for me now lies is sort of, okay, well, you can do the, spend as much time as you like sort of honing your idea of what the game is or, or discovering new games. But in the end, it comes back to the doing some character work, some great, a bit of acting, you know? So I love yeah. about it. Yeah. I'm loving the, I'm loving that too. I'm loving the, uh, I, I still find myself fixated on the audience player interaction. The, the, mm the what the audience takes with them when they leave a show kind of idea and that it's not the same as what I put into the show and it's not the same of what the goal of the show was everyone took something different from it um like we just did our Christmas eavesdropping show that Jason was in we were talking about it earlier and that was that same kind of thing as everyone left with a completely different experience and I love I'm fascinated by that that's what I'm (laughs) most excited about right now yeah is these like strange strange like yeah nobody got to see the show as it was intended (laughs) <laughs> there was no intention yeah i'd, I'd love to see in 10 10 15 20 years like uh, improv theater with a subscription base the same as melbourne theater company or you know uh sydney theater company like where you've got uh, a bunch here in australia that doesn't happen i know chicago has you know places that have two three theaters running if they're still open now and they're all closed you know um (laughs) but yeah i i mean you know in a post-pandemic normal world it would be great to have you know people buy uh tickets to see whatever sort of improv was on rather than having to scramble and 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 you know uh, just to put 40 50 bums on seats um people just turn up going well they're producing it so it must be good (laughs) and and the biggest curse the biggest curse against improv, unfortunately, is it doesn't offer absolutes. Yeah. You know, you can't sort of say buy a subscription package because we're going to have a different season. But but yeah. what you can say is you can have a different show each night, but that's yeah. not people people want going to take yeah. chances on that. You know? Yeah, I'm yeah, and I am trying to push improv in that direction. <laughs> like we yes. just right. I, I agree. I think it should be. I think there, I think but, uh, but there is still that part of like I, you can't promise that every show is gonna be the best. Like it has to, like, part but neither of is theater. Neither it, is theater. Oh, know? tell me about it. I watch yeah. a lot of theater, and a lot of it's bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, but but like um, that idea at the beginning of the show, you got to be like, all right, well, hey, we're going to do this, and this is what we're trying to do, and it hopefully is going to work. Like we'll yeah. see. Yeah. And that failure is part of the form and part of the art, and yeah. that it need, when we fail, we're going to fail together through not not achieving the thing we were aiming for and i don't think you can take that out so it does have that obstacle of like when you're selling it to a crowd you can't say trust us this is a oscar winning yeah. improv show mm-hmm. it's like last night was oscar winning tonight maybe you know maybe emmy emmy, emmy. maybe an emmy <laughs> <laughs> one of the hardest things i found especially from the uh, especially selling the show as you mentioned before is like um because I did a lot of the graphics and poster work and flyers and stuff for years and years and years. It's one of the hardest things to actually sell is because you don't have a tangible idea for a lot of the shows, especially the sort of short form or, you know, mm. um, more esoteric kind of style shows. Yeah. Uh, and, and so how do you sell something that is made up and it will change every night? You know? mm. Yeah. And uh, we do um, a lot of genre stuff to help do that. Well, so that's um, perfect. That's yeah. great. And I also people stuff. and competitive stuff seems to work for that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I used to try and sell form, you know, be like, we're doing a Herald. And people are like, what's the, that? The general public doesn't <laughs> give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i just don't know yeah uh 
Cool, 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 cool. Um, great. Well, uh, we have you here, Liam. So uh, let's 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 get some nice. questions from Liam here, or questions for Liam. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. You got a question for Liam? I guess you guys know each other so well that you probably don't <laughs> even have questions for each other. Uh, I got questions for Liam. Go for Please. it. You're a magician, right, Liam? Yeah. Well, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, we're magicians. <laughs> we're magicians. I made we're my magicians. tooth disappear. Yes, let us. We're gonna do. We're gonna do a couple. Now we're gonna do a magic lecture. Uh, but I rarely get to meet improvisers that are also magicians. I do know yeah, a few yeah. of us now. They're, they're, we're popping up. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, do you find a link between magic and improv? And what is that link? Where do they? Where do they meet? Because you'd think they're complete opposites. Magic is like rehearsed, planned. Everything is set and prepared. And improv is unrehearsed. Uh, unexpected, spontaneous. So, where's the where's the middle ground? What's the what's the sinew that connects those two? On a, on a um, on a, in a theatrical uh, way, the things that link in them are the surprise and the delight when when you subvert the outcome. And I think that's mm. in magic in the world of magic. That's the 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 twist, if you like, uh, is is always that moment of I've got you and in improvisation when there are those beautiful moments of, of, you know, when everything's flowing and there, there is that moment of the audience going, this must be, this must be pre-written. They can't be making this up. What sort of devil's magic is this? (laughs) I do love that, that moment, but it is for me, it is the theatrical illusion as well. It's Mm. what's all we're doing all the time is creating the illusion of theater creating the illusion of, of a relationship. And I guess, yes, while we don't rehearse as much as magicians, perhaps we should. Mm. Yeah, perhaps we mm-hmm. should hone our skills in the same way and dedicate or, or have the same dedication as, as the magic craft requires to actually um, yeah for sure get better and better as, as, as improvisers. Yeah. I used to make that joke about poets and improvisers and that, that they can learn a lot from each other and poets yeah. can or like improvisers can learn to not waste words as much like cause, yeah. and, and treat their words with power like yeah. poets but then poets could also learn to chill the fuck out and not think you're so important all the time <laughs> <laughs> poets can be very very <laughs> poetry <laughs> in um in melbourne we actually have a, a theater sports magic uh, um, where they, the two meet I have wow. a, a theatre sports clash of magicians. And it is a sort of, you know, illusion on illusion, trick on trick kind of game. Yeah. And and one thing that struck me from that is it's, a, it's a, so, the only times I've seen it it's sort of has come off the rails a little bit because you can sort of see the magicians really struggling to go, how can I force my the, the trick I know, or the illusion I know into this particular scene. But sometimes the things that I admire about it is when they've, sort of come prepared so they have something you know they've pre-placed or they've, they've got ready and they don't always force it in but it just happens mm. that beautiful moment when you when they bring something out and it yeah. works and i think maybe in in our lives as as improvisers <laughs> we need to come with stuff and whether that's research about genre or whether that's yes yeah there you go <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. Research, research about genre or just know your history. Like magicians love their history. We know mm. where it comes from. Most improvisers, every, every most young improvisers, name, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, wouldn't know the history of, of mm-hmm. impro if you if you asked them. I reckon that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Because there's some other. Yeah, that's I I am. I, I don't think I've thought about the history of it that much, <laughs> but or that 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 link or that that missing link. Weirdly, I, think I the always other... the other thing that always comes to mind for me in magic and improv is the that the magic happens in the audience's mind. That's where it all happens. So, like when I show you a trick, you're actually making it look magical. Yeah. I'm not really putting the coin in my hand, and I'm not really making it disappear. But that's what yeah. you saw, and that's what you thought. And so, like, yeah. there's that aspect of magic, yeah. and that's the same thing with improv. Is I'm not really making a story. I'm giving you some sentences with some emotional content. And you're piecing it together into some kind of story and you're making up what you think it's all about. Uh, I think the, the closest thing to apparatus that we have as improvisers are the tabs on the side of the stage. Because when you, 
when we use those effectively, you know, the curtains and stuff, when you use those effectively on the side of the stage, there's all the, all the uh, incredible scenes that happen off stage in the audience's minds. That's the magic stuff. Yeah. And then when you mm. reappear, you reappear on the other side or whatever, you know, you can or using use, an edit properly, yeah. like to edit yeah. away and then come back and yes. things. Have happened, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, and the only the other thing that comes to mind too is the uh, <laughs> no shock edits, no shocks, no, no shock wipes, no shocks. <laughs> you know where yeah, that came from, of course, Dave. Uh, no. Shark what? Shark what? The, the the shark what? In in Melbourne, there's some some things that people sort of shark wipe across the stage. When they edit, someone will oh, someone who's not no. in the scene will run from one side of the stage to the other, looking like like that. a I, shark. I heard. Why? I heard <laughs> I heard it comes from the idea that you're actually covering your face going, I'm sorry about that last scene. <laughs> That's but what it looks like. It does. It looks exactly like that. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. We're cutting it down. Yeah. The, so the other thing about magic and improv that, I, that comes to my mind always is, is the understanding of attention and where the audience's attention is and trying to like be aware of that and use that and allow that, that like you look over at someone and you now know that they're looking there too. So take advantage of that and just let them look for a moment before you just start speaking again. Right. And just kind of controlling the gaze and being aware of that. Cause it's something people like improvisers don't think of actors don't think of it all the time either, but magicians, we have to think about it. I have to look the audience right in the eye to make sure they're, they're not looking at my hands. Yeah. <laughs> the opposite is also true of unintentional misdirection. Mm. Somebody's well, always coming yeah. in at the wrong time. Or... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Improvise upstaging. What are you doing? Yeah, why are you why are you crawling along the back of the stage like a baby? <laughs> I'm doing a monologue. <laughs> I'm helping. Yeah. Hey, we have a question. We have a question for Liam in the Facebook chat. Yes. Yeah. Um, ready, Liam? Ready? Uh-huh. Now that you're here, since you're an impromptu guest on our show. <laughs> uh, what guidelines or things do you think about when doing art or design for improv uh-huh. and how to show, sell the show visually to an audience? You were just kind of uh-huh. talking about that. But yeah, it is, it's hard. I, I, once did a, um, I once did a search um, for company representation or company photos or team photos for improv. And, you know, I could fill a whole screen with sort of what I call the wacky and the wacky and zany people holding rubber chickens and stuff like that. And, and the more and more I saw, saw of that, the more discouraged I got. <laughs> it was really sad. It was like, oh, we need to, I mean, I know that sells a certain idea, but, but as a whole, we need, all need to lift our game when we sell us. If, if, if you think about it, we are selling ourselves as performers and as a team. And rarely do we ever get credited as the performer on a post or, or, or stuff. So people don't sort of get to know who you are as well. So we can't mm-hmm. sort of build um, background. We can't, it's really hard. Like people, you don't get programs at an at, at a improvised event like a theatre. So people will come and see the show. They'll walk away and going, that fat guy was great. You know, and that, um, speaking and then everyone's like, which fat guy? Which, which, three of them. Which the one with the mustache guys? or what yeah. three of them? <laughs> the one with the beard? The one with the beard? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So I, I started to think about, well, how, how do we sell ourselves as a team but and as a, as a company, but also as um, the, the art form itself? So I tried doing, when we did genre, genre stuff, like you said, it's much easier because so you've yeah. got the style. One of the best posters I think I ever saw was, was obviously Jace's Fat City, which mm, was mm. just oh, that was beautiful. beautiful to work on. It was so mm. good. Like the, the photography by Mark Gambino and the black and white. and the, You instantly knew what kind of show you were getting into. When we used to do theatre sports, that was obviously we for years played up the competition angle. Um, but after a while, as we were sort of starting to sort of play down the competition in the teamwork, it sort of became less and less important. So I had to start to think about how else do we show that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried collage. We tried doing uh, um, um, themed shoots. Like I remember one, one year we had late night impro at the comedy festival in Melbourne. And so that was, I think we got uh, 
everyone sort of, it was sort of the height of lounge, you know, the lounge was back. So we had everyone in suits, sharp looking suits. And I think we had Patty Styles in a pajama set. And it was, <laughs> did, it was okay, but I sort of like, again, you're sort of selling an idea of a, of a something of it. But when, of course, the audience turns up, we're all just in our normal, you know, yeah. theater wear. Yeah. Know, so. yeah, I, uh, yeah, costuming is an interesting thing in improv, hey? Like, I, I'm a huge fan of dressing nice yeah. for shows or in costume to fit the show. Like, yeah. uh, but then that's almost becoming a cliche now. People dressed in suits. <laughs> well, it's full, full circle. I mean, you think back to... But it's to, better than um, t-shirts. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Anything's better than t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. If you can think back to, like, uh, uh, the Compass Players in Chicago... Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. they first started out, where they're sort of, you know, um, uh, uh, it's evening theatre, so it's uh, performers in uh, in suits and ties and blazers, which is where that kind of thing started. And then it sort of moved. When you get to the eighties, it's the white sneakers and and uh, you know jeans. And then sort of now we're in this weird sort of area where, well, what what do we wear on stage? Like, I see a lot of. Uh, the younger performers again it's just that thing of like there's this weird sort of thing that's happening where that where it's like that that uh, I'm I'm I don't want to play characters I just want to be myself on stage or or a version of and yeah. I think that's where almost where that that uh idea about where your character like a like a hat that you can just tip and you'll be there you are underneath it's almost good to the point now whereas I don't even need the hat anymore yeah. I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to talk like I talk, and uh, and so I'll wear what I wear, and that's fine. But I think then you've just got a, a disconnected team on 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 stage. I like a bit of effort. I'm old school. I like a bit of effort. I like where you sort of present a show. You you think about the audience in that way, as opposed to excluding the audience. I've seen people sort of talk about improv in two ways, which is. One is, is, you know, really we're doing it for ourselves and so it doesn't matter what the audience thinks. And the other team is, well, no, people have paid to see a show, so we're going to put on a show. And I'm firmly in, in that camp for sure. Cool, yeah, for sure. I, that's another magician thing, actually. There's a magician rule of always dressing one step above the audience. Oh, yeah. One step um, above. So if they're in shirts and jeans, T-shirts and jeans, yeah. you wear... Uh, you know a nice yeah. nice, shirt. nice shirt if they're yeah. wearing nice shirts you wear a suit if they're yeah. wearing suits you wear a tuxedo if they're wearing tuxedos you wear you a, wear a sequin, like a sequin shimmery gold puffy shirt like david copperfield or something like yeah. you always have to be one a- step above them so that when they see you they go that must be the performer that's the yeah one. that and must I think, be the- I think a great it should book, be a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. discussion sorry i think it should be a discussion before every show and every every team how how do we present ourselves for this particular show in this particular content uh, uh that we're doing and the team might agree that yeah let's just wear what we're wearing that day and that'll that'll be fine mm-hmm. um uh, but if you can bring that into a regular part of the conversation before your shows um, it's going to put people on the same page. There's going to be some unity. You're not going to get someone who, who goes, I'll wear a nice shirt tonight. And then the other two people are wearing tatty jeans and stuff like that. <laughs> and so just, just so you, you're aware of it, I think it, it's a valuable part of any discourse for any team or show. Um, and it has been for us for many, many years now as well. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Cool. Well, we do have to wrap pretty soon, but thanks for oh, stopping yeah. by, Liam, to say yeah, hi. Thanks, Thank Liam. you. We'll have you yeah. on again sometime. We'll have you on properly as a proper guest next time. I'll get my, I'll get my tooth back in. I won't be so self-conscious. <laughs> you know, get your tooth back in, do your hair, clean up, <laughs> shave. Like, you're falling apart, man. You're falling apart. <laughs> it's that weird, uh, it's that, it's, it's the, between the Christmas and New Year's where nothing matters anymore. Nothing, you know? nothing. I know. I'm with, I'm wearing a hoodie. I didn't, I wasn't what was I thinking? I didn't even take it off. Do you call these hoodies in Australia? These hoodies? Yeah, they're hoodies. Okay, so in, in, we call in, them. Nah, we call them pouches, mate. Pouches. In, we call them egg pouches. In the prairies here in Canada, they call them bunny hugs. Yeah, I don't know why. I have no idea. This bunny doesn't hugs. look like a bunny or a hug. Bunnies don't have pouches. I don't but understand. It feels like a bunny hug. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Or you can come up and hug someone, and put your hands in the 
the yeah. hoodie thing. I don't know. I don't know where they get it from. They're crazy. <laughs> no, officer. No, it was a bunny hug. <laughs> I hope. I hope they're all watching right now. Yeah. Okay. Um. Great. Well, thank you. Thank so you much, so much man. for having me. No worries. Thanks for popping by. I'll see, see you, you in a little while. See you, see you soon, Jason. <laughs> see you in a couple of hours. <laughs> see you in a few years there, but when this is all over and I can come down and visit. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot. Right. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Oh, well, that was a fun little surprise. That was great. It was wonderful. Do you guys ever get the po- polka dot door in Australia? Was that a show you had? The polka, the polka dot, dot door? door? No. In the polka dot door, there was a character named the Pokeroo. It's this like sort of weird dinosaur guy that would show up in the middle of this kid's show. Right. And uh, that's what that felt like. That felt like the Pokeroo just kind of <laughs> showed up like, oh, the Pokeroo's here. Oh, hello. Nice. Pokeroo. That's oh. good. And then, and then you, if this was the real show, though, you wouldn't be here for that part. And then you'd right, come right. back in and be like, what did I miss? And I'd be like, Jason, the Pokeroo was here. And you'd be like, what? No, like, he wasn't. I was like, you missed him. Every time. Liam was out. No, he's not going to meet him in an hour. What are you talking no, about, He was Dave? right here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then only the kids would know that you were actually dressed up like the Pokeroo. And that's why. Okay, but anyway, that was a lovely little visit. And that was a lovely visit. That was great. Yeah. Uh, look, yeah. Is there any, any outstanding ones? Or are uh, I we think, good? I think we got all the ones in the chat. I'm trying to see. They they don't let me continue scrolling. <laughs> so let's, we're going to say we got them all. DK cool, Reiner cool. says hi, though. Uh, uh, yeah, and misses us. Yeah, we're going to get him on this show, too. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, And uh, Dave, thanks yeah. for a lovely year of podcasting. Oh, I mean, it, it, it's shitty that we didn't get to do a festival together, but it's been great that we've had the opportunity to make this stuff together. It's been a highlight of my year. Uh, and so... Happy New Year into 2021. Let's keep this going, my friend. This really has been a silver lining on this whole pandemic thing. So uh, that's something I hope that we can keep giving out to the community to help them give give them something to listen to during this. And inviting people in. And if you think you know uh, one uh, of yourself or anyone you think is worth us talking to, please let us know Um, because we'd love to get new voices, old friends, uh, any new friends. new friends uh, so yeah if there's someone you'd like to hear from uh on the podcast please let us know uh even if that someone is you <laughs> um uh, especially if, you, if it's you especially yeah especially if it's you. if it's you uh so thank you so <laughs> thanks so much for tuning in and uh we'll be back again uh in the new year happy new year everyone stay safe Stay home if you gotta, yeah. uh, and uh, and do all your texting and 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 zooming. Mm-hmm. But uh, please stay safe yeah. and uh, have and fun we'll... storming the castle. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be back in the new year. <laughs> so weird a reference to end on Princess Bride. Just throw that. That's obscure reference too. Not even like the six hundred nine.